know, and I do believe that yes, there's a, there's a bit of a crowd out there who 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 want to see people just rent. They don't want them to own property, and I, I'm I'm still baffled by the uh, the ideology behind all of that. Because who owns the property at the end of the day? Who are they renting from? The government, or are they renting from individuals? Uh, you know, and I you know, I guess that goes back to the question of follow the money. It's Davos week, the Great Reset. You will own nothing and you will be happy. Why do we keep hearing this phrase? What is going on at this Davos? Why are these billionaires getting together? And after making one video about the Great Reset, we've decided to dive a little bit deeper. These are really great questions that none other than Russell Brand was asking his YouTube following just after the billionaire puppeteers in Davos were meeting and releasing some public messaging that wasn't quite as well received as they thought it would be. They released this video that says, you will own nothing and you'll be happy about it. Everything's gonna be delivered by drone to your doorstep, yada, yada, yada. Basically, you're gonna rent things from somebody for the rest of your life. You will not own your home, you will not own your car, you won't own your refrigerator, you might not even own your dog. You're going to be renting what you have from some organization, group, or person, and you're gonna enjoy it. Now, this is something that has obviously concerned a lot of people because the first question you might ask if you're living in that world is who are you renting from? Are you renting from Justin Trudeau, who has decided that you've been a good enough citizen that you'll be able to upgrade your home this month? Or are you renting from Jeff Bezos? Are you renting from Amazon, who can, of course, also cancel your subscription to your home if you step out of line and badmouth your Amazonian overlords who own the place that you sleep, cook, and enjoy your life? These are really important questions that we need to ask because if that is the plan, how do you fight against it? Should you? Should you fight to own your own property? And what is the government doing to make that easier or harder? What are they doing to protect groups of foreign home buyers who are driving up home prices, making it impossible for you to live in your own city when the buyers of those homes have never stepped foot in the place you grew up in. Well, today on the show, we have Shane Wenzel, the president and CEO of Shane Homes. He's a home builder in Calgary. Now, you often get to hear from renters groups, landlord groups, lobbyists, this and that, about the housing market, the government as well. They're always chiming in, especially Justin Trudeau, who's trying to court middle-class voters, especially in the lead-up to the election, but we never quite get to hear from the people that are actually digging out the ground and putting uh, a house up for a family to buy and to live in. Today, we're going to speak with Shane Wenzel to see what he thinks about this great reset idea of owning nothing, whether it's a good idea. Maybe we should embrace it. Maybe we should enjoy it. I don't think that's going to be the answer to this question, but... Uh, we're going to speak with him and see what he has to say. First, I want to introduce you to one of the sponsors of today's show, fitting in perfectly with the home ownership theme. The sponsor of today's episode, one of them, is Ace Painting Calgary. Here's what they wanted me to tell you. Look, whether the government wants it or not, things are going to be opening up again soon. This summer is going to be absolutely hectic, and it's best to be prepared for the busy season ahead. That's why I wanted to tell you a little bit about a company that has been a huge supporter of this show. They can get your home or your business covered. In paint, that is. See, Ace Painting Calgary, they have the perfect team 
waiting to give your home or business a little facelift. Ace Painting is a great Alberta-based company that can meet all of your residential and commercial painting needs. From inside and out, they will revitalize any building to keep it looking modern and fresh. I've checked out their work. It looks just phenomenal, and you can too at acepaintingcalgary.com. But wait, here's the best part. While their rates are already affordable, if you book a free estimate with them and tell them the counter signal sent you, they'll give you 10% off the whole paint job. Like I always say, to keep shows like mine on the air, freedom lovers have got to have each other's backs. So go to Ace Painting at acepaintingcalgary.com and give your home or your business the facelift that it deserves. And tell them I sent you for 10% off. Next up, we have Shane Wenzel joining the program. He's a Calgary-based uh, executive. He's a philanthropist and uh, nonprofit board member. Shane is the president of Shane Homes, which, as the name aptly describes it, is Shane's company that builds homes. So you hear a lot from the peanut gallery about the housing market, from renters associations to landlord groups to politicians like Nahid Nenshi and Justin Trudeau and Christia Freeland. But you don't always get the chance to hear from someone actually operating within the industry on the other side of the fence. That's why I'm so excited to have Shane on the counter signal here today with me. Shane, how are you doing? I'm doing phenomenal. I, I don't have to wear a mask anymore. So, I mean, it makes this interview much, much better. <laughs> exactly. That's a, I'm a big fan of that. I was eagerly watching the uh, uh, city council meetings that Drew Farrell was dragging out. Uh, she, of course, didn't want to give unanimous consent to removing the mask bylaw, so she just wasted taxpayers' dollars to hold several meetings so that they could get rid of this vestige of the pandemic that, for some reason, these socialists just are so eager to keep. And I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get why they are so eager to have this piece of fabric on their face, like it's signaling something. Neither do I. Neither do I, especially when the uh, the province has already come back and said we no longer need them. So, mm-hmm. why are we doing it here? Exactly. So, Shane, uh, that was that introduction correct? What could you could you outline to the listeners what it is that you do and your company does? Well, I'm uh, I'm president of the Shane Homes Group of companies here in Calgary, and you know I guess the easiest way to describe it is we build new homes, we develop land, and we build multifamily uh, homes for people as well. We've been in business now for almost 42 years, and I've been around for 31 of them. So uh, what we're talking about today is home ownership, the really hot market, whether, you know, I want your insights on whether there is a housing bubble or not uh, in Calgary and the rest of Canada. And and, yes. and we're also going to talk about what the powers that be, uh, Nenshi, Trudeau, what they're doing to influence long-term changes in the market so that's that's not just on the demand side that's not just you know allowing home buyers to buy the homes but also changing the supply and and i think and maybe this characterization isn't right i'll I'll ask you is is it fair to say that the the influencing the demand is something that the feds are much better positioned to do and 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 the supply is something that nenshi more has his hands on well, that uh, yeah, that would be pretty accurate, actually. Uh, yeah, I, I guess the easiest way to start is, uh, you know, it, it's it's a little known fact, Ian, that uh, uh, you know the International Monetary Fund has advised Canada, I think, since 2017 or 18, that Canada needs to build more houses, not only for for a new supply stock, but for a rental stock. 
Yeah, and it's odd that, you know, being a G7 country that, you know, we're one of the, if not the worst at this supply in all of all of the world. <laughs> so it's baffling to me why uh, why we keep throwing in a lot of the uh, a lot of these different programs to help people out when the simple solution is for for really all three levels of government, you know, to kind of collectively come together and work on this issue together. And yet, you know, they're so far apart that, you know, federal doesn't talk to provincial, provincial doesn't talk to municipal, and municipal doesn't talk to federal. It's 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 actually sad because it's, it is. Uh, it's Canadians that, your average Canadians rather, that, that lose out in the end. Absolutely, and, and none more, I think, than the younger generation who are sort of debating whether or not to step foot in this housing market. Um, and there's a lot of arguments on whether or not they should even, and we'll get into that a little bit later. And I, I, but, but before we do, I wanna talk specifically yeah. about Calgary, uh, which is a bit of a unique case in the country right now. Canada is very well known across the world for having an absolutely insane housing market for reasons that you outlined from Vancouver to Montreal to uh, Toronto. Oftentimes, the price of buying a house is seven, eight, or nine times that of the average annual income of those areas. So it, it really puts a lot of younger folks out of that market in the first place. But Calgary is a bit of, of a surprise. When I was planning this episode, I realized that they're actually only four times uh, the annual income for the average house, whereas yes. Toronto, they're, they're 10 times. And the average in Canada is seven and a half times. Mm -hmm. Now, is this a result of... Uh, I'll ask you, what, what is that a result of? Yeah, well, the pricing is a result of a lot of different things, but uh, I'd say primarily red tape and ideology at uh, virtually every level. You know, ideology at City Hall. Yeah, ideology at, uh, at City Hall can, uh, can cause a lot of that grief. Uh, you know, I mean, we have, uh, we have the opportunity, we have the landmass here to, uh, to let the free market kind of go and, and decide what uh, you know what the the housing market should be able to do and uh, i don't think anybody's arguing for suburbia or for inner city it's let the free market decide so i mean if you want to live downtown live downtown if not everybody wants to have a car not everybody wants to to drive everywhere you know that's more of a suburban thing and uh, you know even though you know, suburbia in in calgary especially canada is far far different than what you see in you know in the growth cities in the united states but, uh, you know, it's the ideology that's really, uh, really hampered a lot of these things, uh, you know, as we try and densify more, which, you know, in cases is good, in some cases not so good. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, the biggest challenge that I've found is that, you know, we're not on the same page as, as some in administration. And, you know, and that limits the supply and therefore raises the costs up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and that's been a challenge. Uh, I'd say more so over the last ten, eleven years than it has been in the last, you know, the prior twenty. I'm glad you mentioned the free market uh, because the, this ideology that Calgary City Council has is 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 a little unique. Um, they have this radical plan, I I would call it, to concentrate living pretty much at any cost and without listening to the other side of the story without mm -hmm. listening to people who may not agree with that plan that you know eventually you should always live within a stone's throw of public transit or yes. uh, you know or you or you should be getting rid of your car because it's bad for the environment and a whole bunch of other reasons that, and 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 the solution for that being that they're either closer to downtown or they're building up in very close proximity to public transit now yes. is that is that something that jives with the expectations 
of home buyers. Is that is that what the market wants? Yes and no. Uh, you know, I mean, we have TOD, transit-oriented developments, even out in suburbia. Now they're a long, long, long ways off, but that does make sense if you've got you know rapid transit there that uh, that you're going to build up around it. You know, you're going to put in larger structures, but. I think the thought is, is that, you know, get people in towards the core, you know, build up rather than build out. And that's, uh, that, that's great in theory, but it's not always great when it comes to what do people want at the end of the day, again, back to the free market. Fighting that ideology at times can be, uh, can be a bit of a challenge because, you know, you do have people who honestly think that's the only way to go and all the power to them. but. You know, I think the where it becomes flawed is if you take an old block from 1960s Calgary and they've got 16 houses on it, and you're going to tear down that entire block and you're going to put up a uh, a massive structure with uh, with over two or three hundred units. That infrastructure has to be upgraded as well. So it doesn't matter if it's in suburbia or downtown Calgary. You still have to increase the uh, you know all the pipes and all the infrastructure going to the building because now you don't have you know, 32, uh, 32 toilets flushing or, you know, 32 sinks running, you have uh, 900 of those. Mm -hmm. That infrastructure still has to be upgraded, whether you're going this way or you're going out this way. So uh, to, to move from sort of supply to demand, there's a interview, while I was preparing for this episode, I was really stunned to, to see um, this interview that was conducted with this champagne socialist from Calgary, who you may know, you, you, you may not. Her name is Bridget Casey, and the Globe and Mail interviewed her um, to talk about young people joining the housing market. And I want to read you just one clip, one question and answer from that. And the question was, what, if anything, should the federal government do to help young adults get into the housing market? And Miss Casey's answer, uh, I, she's some sort of financial analyst, she says, well, ironically, the answer is to stop helping them get into it, introducing the first time homebuyer incentive, keeping interest rates low, and all of those things that the federal government is doing is actually harming young people in the long term. She goes on to talk about how banks and parents are influencing and pushing young millennials and Gen Zers to buy homes when home ownership is really not in the best interests of of young people and I, I think that that flies in the face of a lot of things that I was taught when I was uh, growing up and I think most level-headed people are, are surprised to hear that home ownership isn't actually this great investment this great opportunity to own the place that you live in D does that sort of story that logic that she's saying to the Globe and Mail and to their large readership does that make sense to you yes really yeah. And here's the odd one about or about that. Increase the stock, you know, and that's where I go back to my original comment about, you know, every level of government working together to, uh, you know, to come up with the, uh, the solution, which is to increase the housing stock for sale and for rent. We're that far behind. All you're doing with all these, uh, these strategies is growing the CMHC mm -hmm. and, and really putting tax, taxpayers' dollars into a national housing strategy for first-time home buyers, or uh, you know, there's things like the Rapid Housing Initiative that they've uh, that they've come up with, uh, you know, which you know is a billion dollars out of our pockets, uh, just to help with uh, you know social housing. Well, we wouldn't have this issue if we opened up the market, mm -hmm. you know, and that's uh, that's the biggest challenge. But I mean, but to your point, uh, you know, encouraging uh, young people not. To get into the housing market that you know it's not realistic anymore i would 
absolutely disagree with that one because there's pride in ownership. There's a reason for wanting to own it rather than become a lifelong renter, which is what some of this crowd seem to think is the only possible solution moving forward. You don't own anything. So it's not to say that you you shouldn't buy a home. You're saying that the federal government influencing who can and can't be in the market isn't isn't the proper solution. No. Well, wait, sorry. Yes, actually, I'm agreeing with you. There is that uh, you know having all these other incentives in place is, is really it's just a band-aid solution to a bigger problem. Again, back to you know every level of government should be working towards one common goal, and that is to you know to free up. Uh, you know, free up the land, free up the permit, cut the red tape, uh, and and speed up the uh, the process, as opposed to constantly, constantly hindering it, and stretching out the uh, the build times. I mean, if uh, if those if those barriers were out of the way, uh, then you're going to see an oversupply of housing stock. You're going to see the prices drop naturally. Yeah, when when I hear people like Bridget Casey saying these things. I think that the motive behind that is very different from what you're coming from. I, when I hear yes. her say that, I hear, and we played this clip earlier in the episode, uh, but it's it's the World Economic Forum saying uh, in 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy about it. Everything you use, you're going to rent and everything you need will be delivered by drone. That was this thing that sort of exploded a couple sure. months ago. and I, But it, it rings true for a lot of people during this time of uncertainty, uh, just coming out of the pandemic and, and the change that we saw during the pandemic. People wondered, well, is that really what the plan is for governments and, and the global left to change how we operate? Do Is private property going to be a, a thing of the past? Uh, and, and I think really uh, that that conspiracy theories aside, that really is a goal, I think, of, of the left in Canada and its plan of wealth redistribution to make it so that there's more people renting than there is people who own a home and are connected to a community. Do you think that there's any benefit uh, outside of this pride of ownership that you mentioned to having a community that's more based in in homeowners than it is renters? Well, I mean, to me, home ownership is the only way to go. Uh, you know, and I do believe that, yes, there's a, there's a bit of a crowd out there who, who, who want to see people just rent. They don't want them to own property. And I, I'm, I'm still baffled by the, uh, the ideology behind all of that. Because who owns the property at the end of the day? Who are they renting from? The government? Or are they renting from individuals? Uh, you know, and I, yeah, I, I guess that goes back to the question of follow the money. Who's getting rich off of all of this? You know, and it's uh, it's disturbing. It's very disturbing to me when, uh, you know, when I hear things like that, uh, you know, because it's just, it's not based on fact. It's based on an ideology that, you know, some people seem to think will work. It doesn't. I think we've proven that many times over, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, with, if we go back into the past. Mm-hmm. Earlier, we were talking about a, a housing bubble. Uh, mm-hmm. and I want to get into that. I want to know what you think about that, because I myself am looking at buying a home uh, and I want to know if if I buy a home is the price of that home going to collapse in the next two three years uh, maybe four years what 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 would you say and and I'm looking at it in Calgary but broader in in Can- uh, Canada I think the rest of the country is a little bit more at risk would you say Canada is in uh, a housing bubble and, and and also Calgary specifically no housing Cal- uh, housing there is no housing bubble in Canada, so to speak. Uh, there's a housing bubble in 
a few cities in Canada for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, you know, like let's just start off on uh, the west coast with uh, with Vancouver, where you've seen prices skyrocket yet again, and we just you know basically came to the end of a pandemic. Uh, you know, it, it just reading some results here over the last while, I think the uh, the local uh, real estate board said that the new average selling price there is one point one four nine million dollars. How the hell do you even afford that? I mean, that's got to be twelve times over earnings at that point, you know. So it forces people out into the mainland, uh, you know. So who's going to support that when uh, when things do come down? It, I mean, Vancouver has got to be, you know, and I can't verify that, but it's got to be the most expensive place in the world to actually live now, mm-hmm. close to Hong yeah. Kong. And I think that that's almost a result of people from Hong Kong buying yes. property in Vancouver. And that sort of leads me into the last thing I wanted to talk about, which is foreign buyers in the Canadian markets and and also immigration to a lesser degree. I thought it was gonna, I thought immigration was a larger problem than it was. But doing doing research into this episode, it, it it does have a significant impact, I think, on the price of homes, but not as not as large as of an of an impact as foreign investment in property. People who are, are never even coming to Canada buying up property so that they can rent it out to people in this country. And it seems to me that we're selling our country to people and there's no way that we're going to be able to get it back. Do you think that there's a problem or, or and do you think there's a problem? What is the solution to this issue that's largely facing Vancouver? Well, again, there's there's definitely problems there and, then I, uh, and a few other uh, cities in Canada. I don't know what the solution is. Uh, you know, I think you've seen uh, Oregon in BC uh, you know, come up with some uh, some policies with uh, with foreign ownership. Uh, you know, maybe it doesn't go deep enough because I think what was it about one percent of the uh, of the selling price of the home they have to pay back in a tax a year. That's not deterring them. You know, so there's got to be uh, you know some sort of stricter rule in place. I can't speak to Toronto because I'm not familiar what uh, what they might have in place. But I mean, there is definitely a concern when. When there aren't limitations on foreign ownership and it's artificially running up the price of your housing stock when you know your housing stock is already in short supply mm-hmm. uh you know again what's the solution limiting that all right shane thank you so much for joining me today i really appreciate it we didn't want to run this too long uh, and we know your time is valuable and uh, you got some homes to build so thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to speak with me you bet Kian. thank you for having me on Are you tired of having leftism rammed down your throat everywhere you turn? Are you frustrated by businesses that you support giving money to leftist causes? Well, Resistance Coffee Company, they're here for you. Now you can enjoy the wonderful taste of fresh roasted coffee with the knowledge that your money isn't funding the leftist causes that you despise. In fact, Resistance Coffee actually gives 10% of every purchase to organizations that are fighting for the constitutional freedoms of Canadians. They're the sponsor of today's episodes and you going to resistancecoffee.com and using the promo code COUNTERSIGNAL for 10% off your order helps not just this great company but it also helps my podcast get off the ground. Resistance Coffee roasts specialty grade coffee beans which means you're getting high-end coffee that is roasted fresh just for you. Be done with stale grocery store coffee. Support Canadian freedoms Go to resistancecoffee.com today and like I said, use the promo code COUNTERSIGNAL for 10% off your first order. Go to resistancecoffee.com and join the resistance today. 
And that is the show for today. It's July 20th. You can expect to hear more from me in the lead up to the federal election, which is just around the corner. I don't want you to miss a thing because things are getting kind of hairy in Canada right now. I don't know if you live in this country or not, but what is going on here right now is going to shape the next few generations, if not the country forever. You can go to the countersignal.com slash newsletter if you want to sign up to stay in touch with all of the news that we're breaking at thecountersignal.com. We are uh, not just a podcast anymore. Rapidly, we've grown into uh, a news network that is publishing things all of the time, uh, being shared hundreds of thousands of times. Uh, We have far more reach, actually, on our news site than we do just on this podcast. I highly recommend that you go check it out there uh, at thecountersignal.com. Sign up at slash newsletter so that we can stay in touch. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Counter Signal. I'm Kean Bexty.